Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Past. We are a podcast that talks about the 90s every single week. This week we're talking about September 1993. September's my favourite month because it's pilot TV episode month and we got some good ones today. But joining me as always is Ben. How are you? I'm very well. It's also uh, AFL finals month, so very exciting oh. for anyone that likes football because football is great. Yeah, yeah. Like the bulk bulk of our listenership is uh, a big a big football fans. You know, it actually might be. You don't know that. <laughs> um, uh, so <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like football players listening to us as they're like working out. Hey, there's <laughs> there's quite a few people in America that now listen to the show apparently regularly. Yes, and there's quite a few Australians, potentially ex football players that now play in America. So okay. there's a connection. There's there's potential. There's <laughs> yeah. You don't definitely. know. Well, let's start off this episode as we do every episode, and we we sort of take a little bit of a a side road out of the nineties, and we talk about what we've been listening to and uh, watching from nowadays. It's called Living in the Now. Ben, what have you been was, uh, listening to, watching, listening? I have been listening to and watching and tasting. All of the Scream films. Ah, yes, because you went to the final oh, one, which I have not them. seen yet. And uh, I'm doing my darndest not to get any spoilers um, in my social uh, media feeds, but it's it's getting to the point where people don't give a shit anymore. Um, so, how was it? I, I, I'm going to give you one spoiler from the film that I don't think is a spoiler, but okay. at the start, there mm. is a very cheesy, shitty ad of the Ghostface mask saying, don't spoil the movie and don't tell anyone what happens. Nice. Okay, it's really cool. kind of sad, but it seems to work. Like I hadn't heard anything about it. So. Well, I've been listening to with Gourley and Russ. They're going through the Scream movies, and um, they've got to basically Scream Five, but they both uh, they they haven't actually seen it yet because, like, obviously, I mean, um, COVID's pretty rampant throughout the world, um, but especially over in where they live, I think it's hard for them to go out and get, go see them in the cinema. So they've they've done a hold of a movie, and what they decided to do was to watch a scary movie from 2000. And uh, I, haven't listened, thing, yeah. I haven't listened to the episode yet. Oh, man. Scary movie is about... You know how we think like things from back in the 70s and 80s were like poorly timed and, and, and offensive? Fucking hell. It is it well, is a hard That was watch. their whole job. That was no, the no, the whole niche of scary movie was to just be not good. Yeah, but like I just didn't I I forgot how bad I mean and at the time I sort of feel bad. I I'm, I'm retroactively embarrassed about how much I used to laugh at it. And it's it's really really full on and bad and just like it's just the grossest thing I've watched in quite a few times and it's like it's so it is so typically 2000 uh, and the, of that era, it's just, um, oh, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. We keep talking about getting to the 2000s and how good some of it's going to be. But like you keep mentioning, uh, it's also going to be quite gross. I think it's going to be grosser than the 90s. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> man, you, sexual assault was a punchline for many years. 
So that's what you've been doing? You've been watching the scary movies? Just just the first one. Because I was like... Uh, okay. And I was like... Just, only to what I mean, only to what to, to sort of make sense of the episode I was about to listen to on the podcast. But yeah, I'm I'm now more interested than ever to see what their opinion of it would, would be. Um, but uh, apart from that, um, yeah, not not a lot much. Uh, it's, it's it's been it's, we're still in the midst of school holidays here, so it's just uh, it's been difficult to not. Uh, we I've just been playing Xbox and watching movies with my kids, <laughs> so it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's a it's a good life, but it's not an interesting life. So yeah. Let's get back in the 90s, because we got a lot to get through um, in this month. Is, uh, let's go to the events. All right, so um, I set it off my mic. With, uh, the, the quiz is getting increasingly harder to do, because like, I feel that a lot of the stuff that's coming out, it's not, not stuff that you want to like... It's, it's, it's interesting stuff that happened, but it's not something you want to do your quiz about and, and take lightly. There is a few... I'll, I will do a couple of questions in a bit, but let's get through some of the... Uh, of the other stuff. So, I don't know whether this is like a trampling on your sport. It Usually you do, yeah. So, carry on. <laughs> so, uh, Sydney was um, uh, announced to be the the venue for the 2000 Olympics. I remember yeah, this being... Sport. That's sports news. Yep. <laughs> I, remember, I remember it being very... I wanted to sort of... Uh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll touch more on it at sports, but I just remember... Um, People staying up until I think it was like announced at like two AM in the morning or something like that. And I remember my sister stayed up all night, uh, or she wake up especially for it to to hear the announcement. Um, it was like televised on on Channel Seven, I think. It would uh, have been three fifty seven AM Adelaide time. Oh my god, you did your research. All right, I'm not going to stamp over your story. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it in a sec. Um, no, that's basically all I had. In the fact <laughs> it was it was a huge party. Like Sydney and the country were just. It was yeah. like the war was Could go over it. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I don't think that's happened since. No, that was the last. That was the last bit of elation we had as a country was back in 1993 in September. We've all just been miserable since. Even worldwide, though, I don't think Athens was thrilled when they got it. I don't think. I don't think it's a big thing. I don't think it's a. It's actually the the big get that you can get anymore. Like I think it's more of a hassle. For people now, because there's like there's so much regulations and rules and like, um, and I think, I mean, the amount of like sort of dark shit that goes on behind the things. I remember like in when is it when Rio de Janeiro had it, they kind of moved, um, displaced like a lot of people to sort of move yeah. them out of the out of the the main city center, so they wouldn't see like the just the rampant homelessness and stuff like that. And but, like I think 2000 was probably like the last real big prestige Olympics, and I think it's sort of gone steadily downhill since then. Um, yep. But, you know, all you Olympic nerds, come at me if you don't think that's right. Um, I'll take you. Okay. <laughs> um, all Australian TV channels re- retired um, PGR and AO ratings. So PGR was parental guidance recommended and AO was adults only. Um, and they brought in those glorious G, PG, M, MA, and AV as the ratings for um, TV shows and movies on Australian TV. And those little uh, letter legends next oh, to episodes, yeah. so you knew oh, I was yeah. in it. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we were sad. Disgusting. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, remember, I remember when I saw AV, I was just like, oh, what's that? And that's like, I think it's more for extreme violence. Um, and that was like, essentially like, as close to R as you can get. I don't think they pulled it out very often. Um, but yeah, uh, 
definitely MA and um those and they all they're all color coded as well. Do you remember when they um brought in like the new we were still working at Blockbuster when they brought in like the RA section we actually had to put it all in one section. Do you remember that? Yeah, everything got separated and had its own little spots so Which it was easier to find for children. So fucking yeah, so fucking weird. Um yeah, I remember those I remember those days of like having to um, cover up with stickers like anything on the front covers and stuff which is it's like oh it's a nipple put a sticker on. <laughs> and the debate we would have so generally stereotypically anything naughty goes on the top shelf yes but the other manager at the bottom of the time was like no we have to put it at the bottom shelf so I can't see it and it's out of eye view <laughs> but now you put it down on the floor for children to find so we had the MTV music video awards should be film awards whatever um (laughs) that wouldn't make any sense would it (laughs) um all right um i'm gonna give you the nominees and i want you to i mean i'm pretty sure you know a bunch of them but like i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna give you the nominees for some of them so video of the year we had aerosmith living on the edge on vogue free your mind peter gabriel digging the dirt rem man on the moon and pearl jam jeremy who won video of the year pearl jam's jeremy Yes, it did. Uh, yes, it did. Best male video was uh, was it Sting? If I ever lose my faith in you, George Michael, no. Killer, Papa was a Rolling Stone, Peter Gabriel, Steam, or Lenny Kravitz? Are you going to go my way? I want to say, st- no, it's not Steam. I'm thinking of Sledgehammer. Same song. <laughs> no, it's um, not. It's not. <laughs> is it Kravitz? Yes, it was. <laughs> he likes that. Ooh, there's two. <laughs> so just going through some of the other ones, um, we got uh, Katie Lang, Constant Craving for Best Female video. Banger. We've got um, Best Metal Hard Rock video was Jeremy again. I don't know whether they're metal or hard rock, but I don't know. Um, best Rap video was uh, People Every Day by Arrested Development. You. Yeah. Uh, we've also got <laughs> Best Alternative Video, which... This is weird. So, Pearl Jam gets voted in the best metal hard rock, and they're up against Aerosmith, Helmet, and Nine Inch Nails. Nirvana wins best alternative video for In Bloom, and they're up against Four Non Blondes, Belly, Pornic Papyrus, and Stone Parts. I would have thought Pearl Jam would have. Is that the the, the is that the divide? Is people just thought they were a bit, a bit more sort of rock commercial than than alternative? I feel like they maybe just plucked them out of a hat like they do with their sports conferences and divisions. Yeah. Like, um, it, best video from a... No f- sense. And Alison Chains won for best video from a film for Wood, which I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I'm sure... I mean, I know that their film clip is... No, their film clip's not... It's got stuff about singles in it, but it's not... Yeah, that's a weird category. I don't like that. So their song was used in a film and it had a music video, so it gets an award? Yeah, but like every... I'm pretty sure like a lot of, uh, maybe not, because Screaming Trees did, um, I nearly lost you, I'm pretty sure there's a singles reference in that, like a very fleeting one, but I might be wrong. Um, yeah, and Peter Gable won a bunch for Steam, not Sledgehammer, um, and Madonna won a couple. Uh, viewer's Choice was Aerosmith's Living on the Edge, I'm pretty sure that was because for the inclusion of uh, young Eddie Furlong. Um, but that one up, one out against On Vogue, Peter Gabriel, Pearl Jam, and REM. Um, I always like viewers' choice ones. It's, it, it it always shows 
well not always but like most of the time shows how wrong every other category was because they choose something that there was wasn't voted for in any other categories like your 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 finger is not on the pulse of the of the viewer um speaking of did you see the hottest 100 results yesterday I, my sister sent me a message saying the Wiggles just won for the hottest 100. And it was a cover, so like, uh, what know, do they cover? Helps, but Elephant, I think, by Tame Impala. Okay. Um, Good song. But mm. yeah, I, I, got, I got the feeling that it's like everything's just like a little bit ironic these days, more so than uh, in a couple of years' time when Ironic came out. Um, it's just but like. I got to say. The biggest bee in my bonnet, though, mm. and I will never let this go. You remember th- that somewhat campaign to get Taylor Swift in it? Yes. And Triple J banned her because they thought that people were, you know, having Trolling. campaigns and it was... Yeah. And, like, KFC somehow got in on it, so they're like, no, she's not allowed in the Hottest 100. But then I Basically, saw Justin, Justin Bieber was, was in the top 10, I'm pretty sure. He was number two. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Um, not to say that, like, you know, you can't listen to Triple J and, 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 like, Justin Bieber, like, that's fine. But, like, arguably, and I don't think I'm going to offend anyone here, Taylor Swift is a better artist than Justin Bieber. And for her to be banned, it's just, like, you can't keep ch- changing the goalposts to maintain what integrity you think you have left when well, it you wasn't, do shit like it this. it wasn't cool to like Taylor Swift in... 2012 or whenever it was yeah but then so the, the recently with her sort of remastering and lots of stuff and like she's had a bit of a rebirth with um with stuff that she's released now it's cool and it's like nah either stick to your guns or don't put arbitrary shit in like that again um i just i also mentioned that look as much as the wiggles winning is is weird um let's not forget i think it's 99 uh pretty five for a white guy one, mm. but I believe mm. it was taken. Wasn't it taken away? I hope so. Terrible I think there was some song. sort of. I think there was some sort of um, controversy there. I think it won, but then like a couple of days later, everyone's just like going, "What the fuck?" But um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Again, something that's lost its prestige over the years. I think um would would be um the the hottest one hundred. So For going back to September ninety three, we've got also the Emmy Awards. Um, oldest burn through these because come on <laughs> <laughs> no one really cares i mean i don't care um outstanding comedy series was seinfeld outstanding drama series was picket fences they've been wanting they, i think they've won it like three to three years in a row and i can't find a copy of that series anywhere so um we also got uh outstanding mini series as prime suspect uh, lead performances was Ted Dance and there's Sam Malone in Cheers. He was always going to win it because it was Cheers last year. Roseanne won lead actress. Um, you know, drama series Tom Skerritt from uh, Pick Offenses and also Kathy Baker from Pick Offenses. This show, amazing, apparently. Um, apparently. <laughs> and uh, outstanding supporting actor was Michael Richards as uh, <laughs> Kramer in Seinfeld and Laurie, wow. Met- Laurie Metcalf. Uh, as the in Roseanne and also the killer in Scream 2. Spoiler. <laughs> you say the word spoiler before the spoiler, oh, no. generally. <laughs> um, yeah, Kramer. Remember that time where Kramer was beloved? No, not really. I do. I remember when he was tolerated. 
Oh man, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, um, I can't like. Was it? It must be mid two thousands when that happened. It was just before, um, Curb did their Seinfeld season. I'm pretty sure. Um, this is but, referencing Michael Rich's racist rant. Yeah, at a, at a comedy. Despite club. the fact he's not racist and he's not like that. Yeah. Yeah, <sighs> we'll get there <laughs> eventually. Yeah, so let's go on to sport. All right, you are going to love this. Is it about Sydney? You remember? So, sorry, Tom, about that. <laughs> Hang on, let me just delete that from my uh, agenda. <laughs> no, go on. My cue cards. You may recall recently the US Open started. Yep. Do you, do you know um, Wikipedia has always got it in brackets as well? Golf or tennis? <laughs> you know what? They put that in after our podcast. I think they uh, They did. Yeah. You changed that. <laughs> um, so that wrapped up. It started uh, late August. I think like the second or last day of the month. So we didn't find out who won it in August. Oh, oh that's right. I've been on tender hooks since then. Tell me. You have. Because your girl Staffy took out the women's. Oh yeah, I mean, and yes. Harry Pete took the men's. <laughs> if that was not his nickname, then someone wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Um. Also, the FIBA Africa Championships. Yeah. I was scrolling around trying to find this is basketball. Yes. There must have been players in this that went on to do well, but I can't find any. <laughs> so maybe they didn't. But I assume I'm sure they, they did, did well. I assume they did well, like in life, but just they didn't make it into the NBA. Maybe they went to Europe or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, anyway, Angola beat Egypt in the final. Son of a bitch. Did I, you like I, Egypt? I had money running running on Egypt, but that's fine. Oh, okay. Do you, would you I've feel a, better if Ang? I've got an almanac from nineteen ninety three. Is and it I from twenty seventh, the, the day before the final? And I still bet the wrong team. <laughs> I'm a bad time traveler. You must have seen that Angola scored sixty nine and thought, "I'm not betting on that." <laughs> um, oh, but this brings me to even more fun for you, which Going? I'm now going to rename this moment. Fake names have a disgruntled argument with okay. their fists. Okay. I feel like I should give you actual fake names and then their real names and see if you can pick which it is. Okay. Alright, this was... No, I'll just tell you the real names because they're already too good. Pernal Whitaker. Okay. Whitaker versus Julio Cesar Chavez. Ooh. What's this in? This is boxing. Boxing, yes. yes I think I've heard of Julio Cesar. I've heard of um, Chavez before. Well, I think Chavez is a pretty common name. No, but I've heard that. I've heard but, of that actual boxer before. I'm not. I'm not. Have you sure heard of what... Pernell Whitaker? No, but that's an awesome name. His first name is Pernell. Pernell. He came to this fight after beating this. This is this is the highlight. This is why I wrote it down. Yeah, Buddy McGritt. <laughs> he was going to fight fight Chavez anyway, but because he beat Buddy McGritt, it became a uh, welterweight championship fight. Did he? Beat him in the car park before he went into Chavez. It's like, is some guy comes like, "Hey, I'm Buddy McGrit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm boxing today." 
<laughs> it's in a hotel toilet, I think. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm late. I'm going to go beat Chavez. No, you're not. You're going to fight McCrit. <laughs> now, I just want to point out how ridiculous those names are because they have... I don't know how many people were of this. I only found this out a few years ago. They have other fights before the main fight. Yeah, they got they got a they got a support they got a support band. <laughs> yeah, I always thought it was like main event just meant like this is the main event. Ignore all the other events that are going on. But they've no, there a, was a bunch of a, other fights. They've got an Eskimo Joe to a Powderfinger. <laughs> I was thinking of like a support yeah. band that I would have seen. <laughs> Which one's the main event? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it depends what year it is. Uh, yes. We'll get to that. So the, these are real names. Oh, actually, are they all real names? Tim Austin defeated Hector Lara. Oh, nice. Good names. Man, I want to be... I feel like I'm name-shaming. I need to stop. No, you're fine. Frank Tate defeated Everardo Armenta. Do you think Frank Tate was just like, boring name? <laughs> Do you think Frank Tate was related to Thomas Tate, who defeated Eduardo Ayali? Ooh, brothers have to be right they're both yeah. boxing their last name's the same there's a lightweight and a middleweight i'm sure tate is actually a pretty common name uh, yeah it is i guess we've got some here we had the cricketer tate anyway <laughs> those names are apparently all real bobby brewer <laughs> Livianda johnson terry norris that's pretty good i like that terry norris yeah is like this, terry you norris. sure it's not like the leeds starting lineup Frank and Terry Norris. <laughs> I wasted a bag of unsponsored corn puffs on uh, the Leeds game last night, and it was very disappointing. Oh. <laughs> now let's get onto the good stuff. Caroling. The AFL finals. Ugh. Okay. I won't. No, talk oh so no, much no! This about was the this actual was... finals because it's. This was Why is uh... this exciting for you. This is my time, yeah. So, like, is this is this one where uh, the LA Crows played Essendon in the preliminary final? Is this is this is this this year? Yes. Okay. Have I told the story about the the bus and everything? Um, I'm sure at some point. All I, I remember is your condom stories. <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, uh, the LA Crows, I was like, this is second second year in, third year in, um, got into the AFL finals, and I was still quite into football at this time. So they got into the prelim because I think we were thinking like we we probably won't go to the grand final because that would be hard to get into. But dad got mm -hmm. us tickets to the preliminary final. So me, my sister and my dad took a bus to Melbourne to go see the preliminary final. Um, and it was like we drove all night um, in this bus full of, full of Crows fans, basically. Um, oh. And then we sort of got there the next day and it's like, it's actually pretty, like, better than any band story I've ever been in, like, when I've been, like, going over to Melbourne to play. <laughs> like, we got there. We didn't even stay in a hotel, I don't think. I think we maybe had, like, some place just to, like, maybe shower, but maybe not. And then we went to the game, and then I'm pretty sure we left that night. Like, it was just, like, it was, like, it was military precision. It's like, we drop in, we see the football, we get disappointed, and then we get back home again. Yeah, because there used to be an overnight bus to Melbourne. Yeah, um, quite common, and same back to Adelaide, where it's it takes eight or nine hours. So you you'd sleep there. The game was at two thirty. Yeah. So you'd finish up around five five thirty. Yep. Get the eight o'clock bus back to Adelaide. 
Do you know what doesn't feel like eight or nine hours and feels like more like 15, 16 hours is once when you've been <laughs> been to a preliminary final and got beaten and already spent nine hours on a bus like in the last 24 hours, it feels like a day. It's just like... And I think that experience um, broke me in football. Like yeah. after that, I just I never I never got back onto on the horse again. I was just like, that's it, I'm done. Like, and it wasn't the crow's fault. Like I know teams win and lose, that's fine, but I think it was just that. Um, it was just the entire experience. It wasn't a bad experience. It was just tiring, and I was just like, I don't know. I don't think I care about it this much anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> I started caring about other stuff. It, it's hard going... I had a similar experience, I think, 2013. My brother and I drove over, spent the night, got up the next day, went to a game, got smashed, and then had... The, sorry, the team did, I didn't. Yeah. Um, and then we drove home that night just in... I mean, he Silence. didn't care. He doesn't care about teams at all, but I wasn't having a great time. And then I took <laughs> us in the wrong direction for an hour, which also didn't help. <laughs> I think I remember that. Um yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, and a lot of people will say, like, you know, I'm a whatever bad supporter sort of thing. But, like, I think it's just, if that if that happened to you when you were, like, seven or eight, probably wouldn't be a big deal because it's just an adventure. If that happened to you when you were, like, you know, your 30s, you just, you just accept that it's life's struggle. But when it happens to you when you were, like, 11, 12, and you're on that sort of brink of, like, not caring about stuff you used to care about anyway, I think this is enough to push you over the edge. So, and that's what happened to me. <laughs> I was just like, no. Nah. I, I think that's fair when when you care so much about something and it and it disappoints you, then you just you give yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just like you know, like I was like, you know what? I think I think we're done. Um, they obviously didn't care about you. Why would you care about them? <laughs> yes, but uh, so that um, led um, Essendon um, meeting Carlton in the grand final, and I. Oh, so wait, so you're doing the sports now? Is that right? <laughs> Is it, your, is it your segment? Are you the sports guy? No, because I've also got another story about this. Um, <laughs> I went to uh, a friend's place. They said that, like, oh, we were going to watch the grand final. But we, when we rocked up there, we didn't watch the grand final. We went and just walked around <laughs> the suburbs. And I think, I think there might have even been some drinking involved. Um, and maybe, and maybe a, an odd cigarette or two. And I'm like... <laughs> You know what? This is way better than going for the crows. <laughs> I did um, the exact same thing when crows made the first grand finals, ninety-seven. Yeah. So I was actually older than you, and me and my friend just walked around the streets with a sign saying like, "Honk if you like St Kilda," because for some reason we were bitter about the crows until the crows <laughs> won, and then we were back on the crows bandwagon. Um, didn't watch any of the game. No, we didn't watch any of the game either. Like I remember, like and I don't remember my <laughs> going back to my parents and my dad was asking me certain aspects of the game, and I'm like, firstly, can he can he smell beer and cigarettes on me? <laughs> Secondly, I've got no idea what he's talking about. Um, but I, we, I remember the feeling of like we like there was like this is back in the times where when the AFL Grand Final was on, it was deserted outside, like no one was around. Yeah. Um, we didn't have the amount of people who didn't give a shit about football as we have now. Like everyone, I think even if even if you didn't like it, I think you were like still maybe maybe you go to your neighbor's house for that one day a year and then realize why you don't catch up with your neighbors every so often. Um, but yeah, apparently even if your team loses the week before, you still watch it. Yeah, yeah, it's still a biggest event. Like my my dad still goes and watches the. He will go to a pub and watch 
the um, grand final regardless of who's in it because that's just what he likes to do. And, like, you know, all power to him. It's just, it's just, um, yeah, it's back in that time. And this is not that far, like, it's not that far, long ago. It was just, it was a ghost town. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, but back to the sports section of it, mm. if, if that's all right. <laughs> I wasn't going to run through how AFL finals work because it's just ridiculous. Oh, like the preliminary elimination. It's and the... so ridiculous that I, I want to run through it. <laughs> I'm going to ruin people's day. All right, break it down. Just because I know there's some American people and British people that listen to this. Yes. So we have a top six. Yes. That go into the finals. The bottom four of that six play each other. Yes. In elimination finals. This is so hard to try and explain. The top two play each other in a qualifying final. So I get that and that person goes into the grand final, yeah? No, that person (laughs) goes into a preliminary final, which is the game before the grand final. There's also a semi-final... So you're that telling person... me that, that Essendon won against Carlton and got into the prelim? No, so here's how it ran. Elimination oh finals, West Coast beat North Melbourne, yep. and Adelaide beat Hawthorne. Okay, remember that. The qualifying final that same weekend, Carlton beat Essendon. Yep. But Carlton finished lower on the ladder, so they had to go play a semi-final anyway. Oh my god. Yeah. So what was that game for? Essendon... That game for nothing, basically. Yeah, kinda, because they both go, they both continue on regardless of the result. Yeah. So then there's the semi-finals. The following week, Essendon beat West Coast, who'd knocked okay. out North Melbourne, and Carlton beat Adelaide, who'd knocked out Hawthorne. Yeah. But due to Adelaide's finish on the ladder, they played the following week against Essendon in the preliminary <laughs> final. Even though they just lost to Carlton. Which team had to jump into a pool of jelly and find like three keys and that... bring back up the top? <laughs> that was Richmond because they were second from bottom. <laughs> they were looking for draft picks. Yeah. Sorry. So... So that's, that's, how, that's how we got there. That is, that is ridiculously confusing. It's slightly less confusing now, but not much. <laughs> Not much. No. Um, I don't know if anyone followed anything that I just said. So I'm going to move on to the pre-game entertainment. Okay. Being 1993, final. yes, the year of Indigenous people. Okay. They had a lot of Indigenous performers, including Yothu Yindi. Yes. But my favourite one, I apologise if I get this name wrong, is Maruchi Burumba. Okay. Was that? She is an Aboriginal singer. She... Um, she was in an opera about black deaths in custody back oh in, God. I think, 89. Yeah. Which, is, I don't want to say it's cool, but the fact we're still talking about this and there was an opera about it like 30 years ago and we're still here. Did she perform um, that opera was, at the grand final? <laughs> no, so she sang the national anthem. Yeah. And everyone panned it because she was out of tune. She missed an entire verse. And I can't find anything else on it, but I hope to God she did it on purpose. (laughs) Yeah. I'm praying that she was like, fuck your advanced Australia affair. Stop killing us in your jails. But Um, I I can't find any comments from her, so. 
wrapping up my sport, Mighty Ducks had their first ever preseason game versus the Pen Wings. Hey, I had, more I, impo- I had that in my events and I didn't say it. Well, it's not an event. It's a sports mm. event. So, uh, But last and most importantly, the mighty Sam Kerr was born in East Fremantle. Ah, she just won. She just passed Tim Cahill for the most goals scored by an Australian. Yes, and came runner-up, I think, World Footballer of the Year. Ah, nice. Second comes right after first. <laughs> there you go. The um, end. That was a big sports section. My apologies, but also, I'm not sorry, it's my section. All right, so let's go on to film. Now, we, we, we've been messaging back and forth a bit, because um, uh, I, I found... I think it was maybe April, May. There was another month where I was just about... The, the films were just a bit meh. These ones weren't meh, but they were like... Um, I found it really hard to just get into them. Like, I think they were all all very bleak. And, um, I don't know, just... Uh, they didn't have, like, the, the flair of some of the other ones. Like, there's usually at least two, a couple of a couple per month where I'm just like, oh, well, this is going to be an, an easy watch. I will say, like, Striking Distance was a gas to watch. Um, was it? <laughs> but we'll go through uh, the ones that were released. So we had Fortress, California, Joy Luck Club, uh, Money for Nothing, Age of Innocence, Into the West, Striking Distance, Dazed and Confused, The Good Son, a Bronx Tale and Hercules Returns. Um, a late edition. A late edition. I, I found the thing is like with Australian movies, it's really hard to find because because they're not wide release. Where from, like, I get a lot of my information from like the Wikipedia and um, a few other ones, but they are they are mostly American based um, release dates. A lot of Australian movies. I think we might have a bit overlooked a couple, but like I'll, I'm on it now, so I'll make sure that we. Cover we Australian haven't got ones to the good well. ones yet, so it's all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so I watched uh, Fortress, California, um, Striking Distance, Days and Confused, A Bronx Tale, and Hercules Returns. Um, which, I, you know, actually, it's more than I thought I was going to get through. So, um, what did you? What did you? Those get? are all the ones I wanted to watch. <laughs> um, I I couldn't bring myself to watch Fortress because I remembered it enough to think that this movie's dumb and I don't want to waste an hour and a half of my life. Well, let me ask you this: Have you seen uh, Total Recall or <laughs> Running Man <laughs> or anything like that? Because then, in essence, you've seen Fortress. The only thing that was um, of note of that is that it was um, filmed in Australia. Um, so uh, I do remember that at the very very end when he's out in the bush. Yeah, and like you, um, they also pulled from Australian uh, act. Like, if you want to see some Australian actors that you've seen countless times before in the background of movies and in the foreground of shitty dramas and sitcoms, check out Fortress. <laughs> um, uh, what else did you watch? Uh, so I watched California, Striking Distance, The Good Son, A Bronx Tale, and Hercules Returns. Okay, Days so and Confused was on my list, but. Uh, I don't know. Tell, tell me about Days Confused. I'm I'm torn on it. You're getting air from there, man. It's no good. It was the last day of school. Uh, Miss Crawford, I was thinking that maybe you and I can get together over the summer. I mean, it'll be legal. I mean, it'll be... 
It was the first day of summer vacation. Do you guys know anything about a party here tonight? No, sir. It was a time they will never forget. There's a new fiesta in the making as we speak. I thought he was cute. Oh, that's this you thought he was cute? Do you realize when he graduated, we were like three years old? If only they could remember it. Okay. So you're not going to go to law school? What do you want to do then? I want to dance. You going to be quarterback next year? I don't know. I might not even play. You're in need of a serious attitude adjustment, young man. Super dominant man in a 50s greaser uniform. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> Days and Fears, I I do like, but it's it's um I think it's if you've never uh, seen it before, it's um basically the the last day of high school, um, and it follows like a group of seniors and also um a, a bunch of um uh, freshmen as well, and just it's just like a sort of a day in the life thing. It was one of Richard Linklater's um uh, first films. Um, you've got good performances from a very young club. Um, cast like you've got even got a baby Ben Affleck in there B- playing I don't know you know you know how like a lot of his early roles he was like a bully and I'm, I'm starting to think more mm-hmm. and more that that was truer, truer to his nature than like um the performances he gives later in his career yeah um he plays one of the guys who was just hell-bent on um paddling the younger um, freshman oh, with, right. uh, <laughs> with wooden with wooden paddles. You've got Matthew McConaughey in there being super creepy, um, but everyone's sort of like, ah, we'll give him a pass. But it's like he is he's an old guy just trying to have sex with high school kids. So, um, yep. <laughs> you've got Jason London, but his catchphrase is, you know, all right, all right, all right. Throttle began. Um, you got Jason London, um, not Jeremy, and we've got Joey Lauren Adams. Um, from Chasing Amy fame, and um, I always had a bit of a crush on her. Mila Jovich is in there. Um, you've got <laughs> um, a bunch of people, like, again, like, you've got people like um, Adam Goldberg and Anthony Rapp, and, like, you probably won't know them from just, um, from me saying those names, but if you looked them up, you're like, oh, that guy, oh, that guy. It's like, it's, it's it, the, the pool of people that he pulled from, um, and that went on to, like, pr- pretty decent things is great. Um, Parker Posey's the main in guy there. from Empire Records. What? What? The main guy from Empire Records. Why do I forget his name? Not is it Rory? No. Oh yeah, no. he's in there. Yep, he's definitely in there. Um, Rory, uh, Rory Cochran. Yeah, Rory Cochran. Yeah. Um, he plays Slater. Um, yeah. Look, it's it's fine. Like it's and it's got an awesome soundtrack. If you like seventy stuff, I think it was a it was a big one for my generation later on like because it was like it, it is essentially a stoner movie um for, for for part of it and the the, the character of slater um was very similar to one of the, my friends um i think i walked into too many rumpus rooms filled with uh the reefer smoke watching this movie to like <laughs> to to really enjoy it anymore because like it's like at some point it's just like it's it's, it's good but it's not fantastic that was my feeling, like, late teens, early 20s, 
as a male, like, this is an enjoyable film. It's funny. It's kind of what you'd want or expect in, like, a high school experience as yeah. a male. Obviously not as a woman. Um, but being aware and, you know, a bit more worldly in your 30s, this isn't really something I want or would enjoy or think is appropriate now. No, nah, it's, it's not heaps inappropriate. It's just, I think, I found myself going, like, wanting to know more about different... Um, characters now which is funny when like i think we touched on this before like the characters you identify with um in your teens and 20s are not the characters you're probably going to identify with in um in your 30s and stuff like that and this 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 movie is definitely like oh i want to know about more about that guy and you don't and you don't get it you're like oh okay because like that guy's not the bankable story like the bankable story is like the more like matthew Matthew conning and all stuff so it's like i did feel that way a bit um but uh moving on to uh <laughs> let's let's talk about striking distance dead body in the water we fished it out victim's name is cheryl putnam thought he was dumped up river late last night whoever killed her hung on to it for a while before he mailed it how do you know uh, i used to be a homicide detective detective thomas hardy tom hardy the famous man Infamous was once the most decorated officer on the Pittsburgh police force. But you're a talented guy. You can be anything you want to be. I like my life just the way it is, Bob. Until he broke rank. Loyalty of all else except honor. And told the truth. It was a Pittsburgh cop that killed these girls. Just ask these no. I got you this job after they took your shield. River Rescue 9221. This is base. Party, please come in. Nice to one, guys. He's got a new assignment. And Shark. A new partner. Hi, it's nice to meet you. I never had a woman partner before. Neither have I. And a river full of dead bodies. We're in pursuit of a murder suspect. Maybe armed and dangerous. This is not your case. You understand me? They should have never put him in the water if they didn't want him to make waves. Um, I guess. So, I feel like you you want striking distance too bad. <laughs> uh, I think I think this just hit right when I watched it recently. Like, I, I this is one of the ones that I've um, this along with Die Hard, and um, uh, I'm gonna say um, maybe Last Boy Scout. Other 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 the three Bruce Willis films that were just constantly on on network television during the 90s so i've seen this movie so many times and i was surprised to realize that i just forgot who the killer was and it's so pretty it's pretty <laughs> obvious and i'm like i've seen this so many times and it's like oh no um i forgot that sarah jessica parker was in this like i forgot um john mahoney is in this from frazier like he yeah um, he's and he unfortunately dies um it's the got- red-headed guy that is in like tv shows Oh, he's from Field Dreams. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that. Yeah. Um, Timothy Buzzfield. Yeah. Um, it's it's just your general... Like, I mean, look, um, this was deep into Bruce Willis's uh, cop fallen from grace period. Like, every movie he did. And, I'm, I mean, he might still be in that sort of period. But, yeah, like, it's... it's, mm. it's um, he... You find out that he snitched on a couple of cops and in a good way like i mean the cops the cops were being uh were being illegal but he's not well liked on the force and then um 
another person commits suicide, we think so. Um, and they sort of blame him for that too. He's got a, I don't know whether whether they, he wanted to write the limp in because like he, he hurts his foot, his, he hurts his leg and he sort of limps for the rest of the movie. But I don't know whether like he just had a limp and he's like, I don't want to run. <laughs> Can you write this into the movie? <laughs> his whole character looks as though he had just checked out of doing this film or these types of films. And it works very well because that's what his character is. Yeah. And yeah, it, it feels like it's a bit kind of added in of like, you're just going to be gruff and grumpy. He's like, yep, I got it. And he, I think this was this was filmed over like a period of about a year, so you actually see his hair uh, cascade in and out of uh, uh, true <laughs> of his true oh, self. Oh, the very very of, end when it's wet. Oh, that is a supreme wig. Um, yeah, this is this is when Bruce Willis was trying to like maybe just thinking he's gonna, he'll just do it gracefully, and then I think. I don't know, because we still got Fifth Element where he's got the blonde, because that's a wig in Fifth Element, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Um, I, I don't know when he fully embraces the baldness, but um, yeah, it's, it's still a few few years to go. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker had to have sex with him. That's <laughs> I think she should have got danger pay. Um, yeah. She's good in this, though. I, 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 I like... it's Yeah. It's a pretty generic story. It's got um, Italian My Dad in it, Dennis Farina. Um, you've got Tom Sizemore, you've got Brian James. He's the detective that's just constantly like giving Bruce Willis shit throughout the movie. It's like, oh God, he's, he's the worst. He's, he's in so many eighties movies and nineties movies. And like, it's just, he's got the same, it's the same character every single time. Um, he's so unnecessary. Oh yeah. That character and that whole relationship is so unnecessary. We've got, uh, Captain Holt very, uh, briefly. That was, that was amazing. Um, he's so young, he's so small. And it's just Andre Brower, but yeah, Andre Brower. Um, he's got a name. Yeah, I know. He's uh, Captain Holt. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I, look. I know it's. I know it's not prestige. I've used that word a lot this um, this, this episode. I know it's not not um, amazing, but um, at the time I watched it, I think it was it was a weekday morning. And I just had my coffee, and I'm like, this is this is cozy and nice and fine. So, um, pretty decent. Um, and, and it's a decent runtime too. I think it's like it's like maybe like ninety minutes. So yeah, yeah. yeah it was hour forty five at the most. I think. Yeah, maybe hour forty. It's good. Ten minutes. <laughs> Definitely. My whole issue going to this film, we talked about this many times over many years. We both had it on DVD. <laughs> And every now and then you do a cull of your DVD because you've got 600 and you only watch five of them. And that one would always be in the pile of, especially for me, it would be on the pile of, I'm, I don't think I've ever watched this. Maybe. And I don't know if I ever will. Mine was probably and like, I've probably just watched this on, I've probably just watched this on Channel 9 like about two weeks ago. So I'm not gonna now, now that you've seen it, you're not going to see it again? No, I did have some good takeaways. Yeah, I enjoyed when John Mulaney calls for an ambulance after a car fully explodes. <laughs> he says, "Officers down, send an ambulance. Don't send fire brigade or any other police. Send an ambulance to this car that has entirely exploded into pieces." I just like watching him without a limp. He's you know. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> what and he the... has one. Go on. What about the song that got in my head for the next week? Is that oh? 
that little red ride in the... <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice it. That's the song that he puts on when he's um, phoning up people when he's killing the oh, his victims. Right. And he's got his little... Um, yeah, he's got no. that, that little uh, remote control police car. That bit, the start, that little bit at the start, I was like, is this Naked Gun? (laughs) 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 But one nice thing I will say, and I brought this up in a conversation yesterday, uh, talking about a certain music scene. When he, I can't remember the line, which is dumb, but he says uh, something about loyalty and having all these good qualities but honour over everything. Oh, because he ran out his cock. <laughs> no. He's like, loyalty's great, but loyalty means nothing if you're not doing the right thing. Yeah. I was like, that's that's really nice. I like that. Good, yeah. Good stuff, um, Fraser's dad. You've been listening yeah. to your son. <laughs> uh, let's talk about California before we get um, uh, too far. And, um We've got lots of stuff to get to. I think we got a book here. A book on some of the most infamous murders in American history. I want to go to where they lived and where they killed, and I want you to take the pictures, and I'm going to write the text. Looking for somebody to take turns at the wheel and share expenses on a week-long cross-country Blue Highways tour of historic murder sites? Brian, who in the right mind is going to want to do that? Early... Tell me more about California. Let's see. One thing, people think faster out there on account of all that warm weather. Cold weather make people stupid. That's facts. I guess that explains why there's so many stupid people around here. I think we should at least met them first. Beggars can't be choosers. They were the only ones to answer the ride share note, remember? Please don't let them be as boring as Brian's friends. Anything but that. You've got to be kidding me. Look at them. They look like Oakie. Oh, jeez, Early. They look kind of weird. Just in case. He can't help the way he was raised. Gotta feel sorry for him. How do you feel sorry for him? That's so sweet. You, you cut your hair. Early cut it. He said it makes me look more pretty. You know, you and I, we gotta talk about your good buddy Early. You said he's my good buddy. Give another shot, you mean boy. A week ago, you would never have picked up that gun. Never! Hey, say it's a tourist job. That sound like your boy? There is a nationwide manhunt for early grace. Who's that? Nothing, Brian. It was just the thunder. I saw him coming! Uh, California was... Um, and I, I, I read this... Um, it rang true when I, I saw a bunch of letterbox reviews... I wonder, I was wondering whether you think the same thing. It's the cover I saw on the shelf very regularly. Yes, was, yes, it's an iconic. So the cover. exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I saw about two or three reviews saying like I've always passed this by in the video store and, and wanted to get it because of the cover because it's. I mean, it's not anything, but it, it's. I, there must be something about it that that makes people like remember it. But yeah, you've got um like Brad Pitt and um, looking very, like I mean. Let's anything else apart from this movie. Brad Pitt's performance is quite good. Um, it is, but at the same time, the more I see him in the early nineties, 
I'm not saying a lot of character. I'm just saying Brad Pitt squinting mm. and kind of talking with a drawl. And, and Apparently he got his uh, his tooth chipped specially for the movie by a dentist. Oh, wow. Um, and he also had to um, perform next to a piece of wood named David Duchovny. <laughs> it, so you said to me in the week how this was like his Mulder rehearsal. A little bit. I don't know which one. Like he, so he's acting like Mulder slash yeah. Sarah Connor. Um, do you think some of his voiceover was like Sarah Connor? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, and that's the thing. Like the the voiceover is what I um I don't know whether it was his choice, but like that reminds me of so many Mulder moments where he's doing the voiceover in the in the X Files episodes, and it and it makes no sense, but it, it works for me in an X Files episode. It did not work for me in this movie. It would this movie would have been. 10% better if they took their voiceovers off. Or had someone else's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then Brad Pitt's talking about these weird dimensional doors. Yes. So who's the Mulder in this film? What's going on? Well, if you've never seen this movie, um, you should watch it um, once. But, but don't <laughs> expect too much from the cover because it's not like no, the co- a fun the- trio's murderous adventure. No, no, and um, I actually ended up um, to to rent it. It was um, it was like four bucks, but to subscribe or get a free trial with MGM streaming services through Amazon, um, which does oh. not have a lot in it. Um, it's got Lord of the Rings, and that's about it. Um, but yeah, they, they like Amazon have got these channels now that you can Paramount's one of them, and um, so that's where it was available through. Um, but yeah, like it's it's a movie. It's a movie about um. Uh, David Duchovny's a writer. He's not like he's not a good writer. He's just he, he, he got an advance on a book, and he basically sp- he decides to spend that advance on a uh, convertible car, and I think his his rent maybe. And yes. um, so then he's like he's desperate for a book. So what he what he thinks um, of doing is basically visiting murder sites around the um, the south of America on his way to California because his girlfriend wants to um, wants to move there. And um, he's going to write this book about, you know, doing this little, like, tour. He uses the word rideshare um, way before, like, rideshare was a thing, I think. So, but, yeah, he basically puts up a... Um, yeah. He puts he puts a uh, an advertisement up in the lo- a local college saying they're looking for two... Well, they're looking for someone to share the petrol um, costs to drive across the country to California. Enter Brad Pitt as Early and Juliette Lewis. Um, and they. How good is she, by the way? She's amazing in this. Um, she's I actually. In this I kind of wanted, and I know that it would have been a bit weird, but I kind of wanted her to sort of flip towards the end and you find out that she's just as like deranged as, as Brad Pitt. I thought that's where it was heading. Yeah. I, thought, like, I thought that she was one of the. Um, one of the guys, one of the serial killers that he he talks about early on had a daughter who then became a murderer. And I thought that like, maybe she was going to be that film's not that smart. Yeah. I, I expected way too much from this film. Um, so then mm-hmm. like, um, then you find out that um, Brad Pitt's character early is basically just a psychopath who kills people. Um, he, t- he, t- he ends up killing multiple people um, and never getting any blood on him and never leaving any evidence for about half the movie. And then suddenly um, they sort of catch on about who he is. The ending of this movie is just 
it's just horrible and just like messy and just i think they just didn't i think they ran out of ideas um it's all very quick though it wraps up very quickly very very quickly yeah Um, except the very end that that's not necessary i don't need to see your awkward relationship at your beach house oh my god yeah so apparently and that's definitely broke up and the thing is like you don't even know you basically then like left yeah he's got this beach house and i'm assuming they're in california but you don't know whether he actually sold. He's still researching the book because he's still listening to like the recordings. Like, and how messed up is it that your partner, who was um, assaulted, sexually assaulted, and physically assaulted by this guy that um, you chose to go on your cross country trip with, that when she comes in from a swim, she hears you listening to a recording of him. <laughs> like you've just gone through this huge big trauma. It's like, oh, let's let's remember it again. Remember this guy? I oh, know because remember her hair is past her shoulders, so it's been a substantial amount of time. Everything's fine now. Oh my god. The trauma's behind them. Um yeah, I was um I wanted more for this movie and it didn't give it to me. Uh let's go uh I wanna hear about the good son quickly. Um and then we'll 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 finish on Bronx Tale, then we'll um move on. You're a doctor. You know things. Some things. What if there was this boy? He did these terrible things because he liked doing them. Would you say he was evil? I don't believe in evil. You should. this is a game uh, it's it's bold taking america's favorite son and turning <laughs> him into a subtle psychopath is he subtle in this yeah a little like he's creepy but if you don't know anything about the film he's just like a weird kid that occasionally yeah. does something kind of creepy um the dad subtle mullet is a highlight <laughs> what's the story uh, i think so the story is Elijah using, Wood's mum... Using, using character names from their later movies. <laughs> using Frodo's... <laughs> Frodo's mum is really sick. He's like four years old. He might be nine years old. I don't know. He's tiny. <laughs> and he goes up to his mum and she's like, ah, I'm dying. And he says, I won't let you die. And then it cuts to them at her funeral. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Plot twist. <laughs> Somehow Frodo didn't manage to stop his mum from dying. Yeah. Um, there is music almost constantly throughout this film that oh. never never once fits the tone of the film. <laughs> is it like Danny um, Elfman? Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> it's, it's weird. There's a lot of mentions of it in Letterboxd reviews. It doesn't no, make I did sense. see a couple, of, yeah, yeah. Um, so then the cop from house takes his son <laughs> to go live with his sister yeah. and her family. Because um, he has to go do some work thing for exactly two weeks. Okay. Um, so Frodo and Kevin McAllister become pretty good friends. Yeah. And then Kevin McAllister starts acting a bit weird. They find out that his baby brother drowned mysteriously in a bathtub. And then Kevin McAllister's sister, his actual sister, real life sister, Ooh. 
um, he somehow manages to almost have her drown. They're skating on this rink, and he, like, throws her off into the thin ice bit. And then she's, like, trying to reach for his hand as she's drowning, and he's holding it, like, just above. Like, he's just laying there, like, keeps moving his hand out of reach. It's almost kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kind of like the equivalent of, like, when your brother says, get in the car, and then every time you get to the door, like, he drives a little bit further down the road. Yeah, Yeah, basically. (laughs) Laura, don't ever do that. I'll kill you. Um, So, Elijah Wood, Frodo... Um, creepy bug-eyed boy starts to notice these weird things. Yeah, and Kevin McAllister being creepy in his treehouse, like he almost lets him fall to die. He's making these weird comments, so he goes to Kevin McAllister's mum, classic nineties mum. Yeah, it's like, uh, your son's killing people and shit, and she slaps him in the <laughs> face. <laughs> it is something. Uh, but eventually this plants a seed with the mum she starts to see it she puts it all together she finds her dead son's duck toy in with his living son's belongings um, okay. he runs away a fire ensues on a cliffside the mum comes to save them and she's holding them both over a cliff Oh, you'll have to watch it to find out who falls to their death ah is it Frodo? that's a good son <laughs> No, um, Kevin McAllister's is like, Mom, I love you. Mom, Mom, I love... Like, with his cold, dead eyes and deadpan voice. And Elijah's, like, crying. He's like, please don't let me die. So she drops Kevin McAllister onto the rocks and saves Elijah Wood. So she... she but she murders us. <laughs> she doesn't murder him. She just lets him go. Um, She had. She didn't have do you the think strength a, to pull them both an, up. Do you think there's an alternate cut where, like... He survives and murders her, and it just cuts to him. He's like, I made my family disappear. Does the little does the little eye the little eye raising eyebrow raising? <laughs> there was a couple come. little Kevin McAllister smirks here and there. Yeah, yeah. Um, does he put, does no, he put no, on an aftershave? Does he inexplicably put on an aftershave? Go ah. <laughs> he didn't even have any booby traps. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was all right. Let's talk on to let's, let's talk a little about. Did you watch? So you watched? Um, oh, we need to talk about Hercules with Chance. Man, this is going to lead to a, a long episode. Um, quickly on on Bronx Tale, I really like that movie. Um, directed by Robert De Niro, I think it's his first directing job. Um, it is very yes. good, Goodfellas ish, um, Scorsese ish. I find it a little bit more endearing. Like I, I do like, um, like even to the point where they go through like a bunch of different gangsters. If, if you don't know, it's about um, growing up in the Bronx in the nineteen fifties, sixties. Italians. No, um, if if you've seen when Bart works for Fat Tony, that's what the movie is. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So you got um. Yeah. Uh, Robert De Niro is a bus driver, and his son um sort of sees the local gangsters. Uh, the the main guy played by um Chaz Palminteri. And then he starts working for him. Robert De Niro doesn't like this. Um, and it's sort of like a, it sort of like goes for the ages. Um, he falls in love with a um, African American girl, and that causes more more racial tension because that's you know it was the sixties and seventies. Because his friends are super fucking racist. Oh they're, yeah, they're the worst. Um, and then him and his friends um, push a hot dog vendor down. The- no, no, that's not that's sleepers. Um, <laughs> uh, then um, yeah, so and it's like I I do I think. It's one of those things where I love the first half, even the first three quarters. I think it sort of falls flat 
in the middle a bit. It gets a bit sort of samey. Like it ends pretty well. I, I like there's like a, a surprise cameo from um, Joe Pesci uh, right at the end of the movie, which I which I always loved. Um, and there's some really good acting between Robert De Niro and Chas Palminteri in this movie. Um, what did you think? I remembered it more than I remembered. <laughs> For some reason, I thought that I hadn't seen it. Yeah. Um, and then I was watching. I was like, "Hey, this isn't good, fellas. I have seen this film." Yeah. Um, and so I was confused when Joe Pesci, like, is getting beat with a baseball bat, and then you don't see him because I remembered him being in it. Yeah, I was like, yeah. But he never, he's never in it. He disappears. What happened? Um, so like, it's good. There's, I get the story and the idea, but the, I, I don't want to rain on anyone's parade. This was the style. This was the time. That's what it was like. The constant racism and how they spoke about them and the relationship between these two cultures or like neighborhoods just put me off way too much, sadly. Yeah. Even though, like, C's a good kid, like, he's trying to do the good thing and, like, he knows better. But the rest, someone was like, is this, is, yeah, ah, I didn't like it. Yeah, it's 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 definitely. I mean, it was based on a one man play by actually by Charles Pomontari, who plays like the main mob boss. Um, and I think it's all that sort of real, like, and like that, that sort of runs deep with Scorsese movies. Like, I mean, the amount of times that, and and like, I mean, to like to a more of an extent, Tarantino movies, like the amount of um, uh, blatant like racism and 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 all that sort of stuff in it is all sort of done for the effect and usually for like the style at the time sort of thing. But like, at what point is it just, um, is it? Is it is it all necessary or is it just like like yeah I don't know having not lived in those times I don't know how how widespread it was but it's like it it it's it's hard to watch sometimes um, the amount that's in these yeah. movies yeah it's like Juliet Lewis's nipple in California that we didn't need that you didn't no, need to show that that was um but I, do, I mean if it meant that I could hear Brad Pitt Brad Pitt saying put your titty away. <laughs> Red Pitt or Tommy Lee Jones? Put your daddy away. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let you see it in a dark house, outhouse. Um, uh, let's, let's finish off strong with Hercules Returns. Um, if you've never seen this movie, oh my God. Um, Australian movie basically t- um, concerns like a, a, a struggling movie theatre who gets a, um, a copy of, um, I can't remember the entire, the entire title of the movie. But it's essentially Hercules Returns, but it's got no sound. So the projectionist and two other workers there um, perform the sounds uh, over the top of the movie. And it was quite revolutionary at the time. Like, no one had ever really done this. It kind of, it's, it's, it, at times, it's, it is, it, it's a lot. Like, it's, it's a long movie. Like, it's, yeah. it's a bit longer than what it needs to be um, because it's, it is the one joke. Like, it doesn't really sort of cut away from that. It's literally three people talking over the top. Which, I mean, that sounds like an amazing premise to have some talk, two people talk at the top of the movie. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's also the story of the film, and having never seen the actual original film, I feel like the way they're dubbing it is pretty close to the actual story. Yeah, yeah. and Because um, they're all film buffs, so they would, they would know. Yeah, and I look, I mean, if you want to... <laughs> watch it for this, the term fuck knuckle, which I've... like. It's it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard someone utter. <laughs> what about you? I snickered here and there. Um, I used to be obsessed with this film. thought it was the greatest Australian yeah. film of all time. 
Which it's probably still up there because you know what else have we got? <laughs> um, but it it didn't hit the same as it had previously. The homophobia really stood out. <laughs> yes, it did. Which was but just that was like... uh, him him hoovering dust sheets at the start really really bothered me. <laughs> There's dust sheets all over the floor, and you're hoovering them. Why are you doing that? Also, oh, where God. did you get all this money from? You just yeah, quit your true. job. Uh, he said he's going to pay his, like, the projectionist and the PR person shit wages. There's, like, ten workers in there. I do, There's just, like... There's too many holes. I do like the fact that they... <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty... It is pretty, like, lowball sort of stuff. Like, they do just name people Labia, Muriel, Fanny, and Delilah. <laughs> um, but Testiculi. Testiculi. <laughs> I mean, I quoted this film from, like, 93 up until probably last year. I'll probably continue to quote some of it. And let's not let's not let's not um forget that um before she um annoyed everyone with the character Effie, um, Mary Christmas was in this. Bruce Spence, um, who you would know from many movies, but I always know him as one of the um poachers from Ace Ventura when nature calls. <laughs> that's yes. my, that's and, my... and nightmares. Yes, and nightmares. Yeah. So um, look, it's it's a it's if you've never seen it, you should watch it. But I've I I can guarantee that if you've watched it before and not seen it in a while, you might it might not hit as well. As, as Unless you're did. in like the perfect mood to have like a dumb giggle. I think it's a I group a... movie setting. I think this is this one works well with a group of people because it's just unless you force that group to watch it, they don't want to watch it. Did you do that? <laughs> no, I I told people constantly about how great it was, and I just turned them further away. Um. Um, so let's move on to TV. Um, so <laughs> this one's going to be uh, a bit bit longer because we, as I said at the start of the um, episode, it is um, the premieres. I won't go into too much detail of them, um, but uh, Seinfeld actually debuted in Australia for the first time. So this is what three years on. <laughs> From its actual premiere in, uh, in America, um, but we'll go through um, a lot of it. So, Animaniacs premiered for the first time. Rocco's Modern Life. Um, these two shows I loved um, growing up. I was a big fan of. Um, wasn't a huge Rugrats fan. Wasn't a huge uh, Remonsters, but Rocco's Modern Life was was quite fun to watch. I love the just the concept of a cow living with a bunch of wolves next door to Rocco was amazing. <laughs> um, and just uh, and just the name Heifer. Oh, Heifer, yeah. That was a hoot. Um, you've also got uh, um, Frasier premiered. Now, I watched the first three episodes, and look, I'm a huge Frasier fan, as most people will know. Uh, do you like it? Do you like Frasier or not? <laughs> um, I used to. I think when it made me feel smart for watching it, uh, and I like it here and there, but there's, I don't know. There's a certain mood I need for Fraser, and it doesn't happen very often. Here's one thing that I'll, I'll say: I've seen um, two articles in the last six months, at least, maybe more, that um, still hold up its merits and say like this is still like one of the best TV shows ever. And I think it's because I think a lot of people, and I'm not saying you and or whatever, but like 
a lot of people just didn't get the premise of it, and I didn't get it the first time I watched it. But when when you watch it in your later, in like in thirties and stuff like that, you realize that like they're sort of yes, they're pompous and 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 um and snobby and stuff like that, but they're actually kind of satirizing that, and they're like because when and when you think about it, like yeah, it's 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 more of a um. I think a lot of people just see think that that it's um it's supposed to be sort of high art high sort of it's it's a bit supposed to be a bit smarter than everyone else but like if you actually just sat down and watched it you realize that it's not it's actually making light of all that and if you just sort of like it's actually most of the humor's quite um I mean there's even like you know just um dick and bum jokes as well <laughs> like it's 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 there it's just like you got to maybe like pay a bit more attention to get it sort of thing so um I still well, think because yeah, one... they're so smart and they're so up their own bums throughout all of it, but they'd still do such silly, stupid, yeah. ridiculous things essentially that people the... of their IQ and stature shouldn't be doing. Essentially, they're still like you know every character is just trying to get a partner or they're trying to get ahead of life and all that stuff, and it's just like the vo- the vocab is 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 different, but like they're pretty much the same as every other sitcoms. I still name it as one of my favorite shows of all time, if not like in my top five it's it's amazing um it did it did outstay its welcome i will say that but like the first five five uh seasons of frasier is is just gold um getting into a few of the other um premieres uh lois and clark um the new adventures of superman i watched the pilot for that this morning it's not bad it holds up um i would expect it to it's it's essentially um, Terry Hatcher is great in that show. Like she, her her character is is um, really fleshed out. You know exactly who she is before. Like she's not some sort of helpless, um, you know, female like waiting for Superman. She, like she's is definitely written more for um, for for her. Um, for who her who else is in it, Paul? Who else is in it? Who Dean Cain's in it. Who else is in it? <laughs> Uh, oh, I don't, I don't Perry White. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, finally, he is amazing. He um, it's uh, Lane Smith. If you don't know from <laughs> from um, son-in-law, uh, <laughs> is a son-in-law. <laughs> yes, and uh, champions Mighty Ducks one. Yes. Um. Oh man, there's some there's some bits in here. Where I'm like, oh man, you were like you, you th- those lines. I know it's pretty, he pretty much has one character he plays all the time, but it's like he's kind of comforting in a way. I like it. Um, I didn't like the Jimmy Olsen. I think he was a bit <laughs> he was a bit crap. But yeah, he was such a wiener. I think he actually gets replaced after the first um, the first season. So, um, but I, it's With actually a bigger it's, wiener. It's it's actually available on um, Seven Plus here in Australia. Um, I've actually started watching a few shows because a lot of these shows are on our uh, network television streaming services. The only thing is that they all have ads in them, and I've I've started to have to get back into watching stuff with ads, which is quite weird um, after so long without having to deal with that sort of shit. So, um, do you know there was a new one last year? I think is it yeah, Lawson Clark. Lawson Clark something like yeah, it was. Um, I haven't watched it, but um, a friend of the show, Donnie, I think said it was uh, was decent. So I will um, I will definitely check it out. Um, we also had Sequest DSV, uh, which I did not get a chance to watch. I can't find it anywhere, but I I have ordered 
the uh, the first season through the library, and I I think I'm gonna I, I watch some of like uh, just like little little clips here and there. I think I'm gonna like it. I think I'm at an age now where I can watch. And it's obviously it was it was probably it was for that sort of Star Trek um, uh, crowd. Like it's kind of sci-fi and lots of stuff. But like Roy Scheider from Jaws. Come on, give me some. I've more. never heard of this. No idea what this is. Um, it's got a dolphin that can read people's minds in it. <laughs> oh, okay. You'll be able to, you, you can make sense of the joke that Jasper makes in The Simpsons where he says, tonight the dog from Frasier is going to be writing the the dolphin from Sequest. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do remember Sequest. Okay. Um, yeah. So we got uh, uh, Ricky Lake um, premiered, so um, another um, midday sort of talk show host. Um, you had her and Oprah and Sally Jesse Raphael and actually I think she might have just um, finished, but um, yeah, Ricky Lake was Phil Donahue. Uh, Don't forget Phil Donahue. Phil Donahue. Um, and then um, Doctor Phil later on. Um, Ricky Lake, um, I think, was definitely one of um, the big ones over here. I remember like a lot of people liking it. I'm not, you know. I don't know. I was I was trying to find some old ones, and I'm like, I don't really give a shit. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Um, we had NYPD Blue. Um, oh make my it god. First, yeah, man. Uh, I have to admit that uh, I was in an op shop recently, and I saw season one, and I bought it because it was four dollars. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good for a whole season. Yeah. Um. It's it's it's. <laughs> The testosterone on that set would have just been amazing. Like it's it's all very intense. It's kind of like um when I started watching, um they've got ER on Amazon. Um, ER is just not a show you can watch. Like it's 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 got a lot of stuff going on in that. It's just always high yeah high pressure. So yeah, I, I, I must admit that NYPD Blue I wasn't that. Um, it's a very very male dominated um show too. It's just like guys just swing their dicks around like left right and center. Um. We also had, um, so we talked about Walker, Texas Ranger earlier in the season. Um, now it was, um, he got picked up by CBS and I think, because I think they did a couple of movies first and then they, they turned it into a series. So, um, Skip. may God have mercy on us all. Um, I wanted just to have a quick, um, oh, there's one, there's one, there was one called Baby Races where they basically got, and like, <laughs> there weren't babies, there were toddlers. So, you know, kind of. Oh. Um, but yeah, there was literally like about two or three year old kids and their parents, um, uh, in a game show and it's, it only lasted 13, um, uh, episodes. Let's just, I wanna, before we move on, I gotta talk about, um, the Chevy Chase show, um, because it is quite a story. Um, I don't know whether you've ever, ever heard about this. Um, back no in idea. 19- no, back in 1993, Fox wanted to do a late night television show. Um, they offered it to Dolly Parton first. She said no, um, but she suggested Chevy Chase. So they said, "Yeah, all right, that sounds um, doable." So they got in contact with got in contact with him. They went all out on this. They built a huge new set. They put it in a theater. They renamed the theater the Chevy Chase Theater for this thing. They spent about six million dollars all up on advertising wow. and set design and all that stuff. It was going to be like they were like, "This is it. This is our foray into the late night thing." Johnny Carson had just finished. David Letterman had started a few months before this and was actually a few weeks before this, sorry, and actually was getting some pretty decent reviews. Jay Leno was taking over from um, from Carson, and Late Night with Conan O'Brien started this month as well. 
but Fox hadn't been in the late night um, talk show for for quite a few years. So it it premiered. Now the premiere is is quite a thing. You can tell from like you can actually watch the first um, episode on on YouTube. His monologue is so bad. Like he just he he looks uncomfortable and like looks like he's flubbing his lines. And I think he is. I don't think you know with Chevy Chase sometimes you wonder whether it, like it's all an act. But I think this is yeah. very much Chevy Chase just out of his element. So he um he did a couple of um sketches on the show. His first guest was Goldie Horn. Um, and she comes on when you actually see him doing the interview with her, apparently there's a, there's a fish tank behind him. Apparently Mm -hmm. that fish tank was quite the source of trouble on the set. Apparently the fish kept dying. I'm assuming because of the high temperatures from the lights and stuff like that. So like they had to constantly recycle. Fish are really hard to keep alive. Yeah, and like think about it on a TV set, like you've got these like these spotlights going towards, and it's, it's directly behind Chevy. So like, apparently they're just like constantly scooping dead fish out and putting live fish back in. Oh, um, then uh, he, his second guest was Whoopi Goldberg, and Whoopi Goldberg gave him a um, a gift of her. <laughs> Her um her shoes that she she's apparently Whoopi Goldberg also had her own show for a, for a, a very very small amount of time, and she gifted him the shoes that she wore on the first night of her failed talk show, which is kind of weird when you think about it. It's like here's the, <laughs> is and she said like it's for good luck, and he's like and it's like well, okay whatever. What do you think Chevy did with this with this gift? Whoopi Goldberg's just given him gifted him a pair of high heel shoes. He's on national TV. What do you think Chevy does? He put them on. He sniffs them. Oh. Yeah. Um Oh. Yeah. It's um it's a, I it's mean, a... I guess they're his shoes now. He's free to do as he pleases <laughs> with them. Not on national TV. Is that how it works? Um so yeah, he uh this started um I think mid September. It lasted until October thirteenth. So basically, got cancelled was... after about th- not even a month, basically. Um, oh, so so you... there should be quite a few of these out there. Uh, well, no, because it wasn't every night. It was only like the only ones that they actually aired. I think I'm think it was a, it was a weekly show. It wasn't like every single night. Um, and it was just like it's it's if you get a chance to watch some of these um, the the ones that did air, it's quite a thing. Dan Aykroyd was on the next show. Um, he also had the world famous like the world's best gum chewer like bubble gum blower and lots of stuff on like it was just it's just a train wreck watching this thing go um but yeah that is the ballad of uh of the chevy chase show the short-lived chevy chase show um in 1993 so um i had no idea one uh how did how did conan o'brien not think that he was going to get cancelled when things like that were happening well, that's the thing. It's like you know, you've got this. Like, I think he was a bit more safe because um, NBC had 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 a late night show for quite some time. They also um, decided to put Chevy Chase on at eleven PM, which also ran basically up against uh, David Letterman and also the um, the the late the late edition of the news. And at the back of those days, the late edition of the news was was still quite. That was all the people who've been doing shift work that's where they got their news from. So, like, if you went up against it, you were going to fail because it was still a, a hide writer over in the States. Um, I don't think they even do late editions of the news anymore. 
on on our networks but i remember there was always a 1030 edition and that's what and that that they 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 rated quite well too because it's all for people who didn't catch the 6 p.m wow yeah quite this is i i thought this was just going to be a list of horrible shows that happened but uh Oh. <laughs> um one show today. one one show that wasn't horrible and one show that um if anyone who is quite a fan of this particular show would be wondering why have you talked about it yet the x-files did premiere um in september 1993 and we will talk about it but we're going to talk about it and this is a bit of an announcement uh we now have a completely new spin-off podcast of living the past entitled do you think i'm spooky and it, it will be us uh, talk about the X Files, um, the the episodes that um, aired um, during the uh, the month we're talking about on the main podcast. Um, the reason being is that we thought I'm a huge big fan of the X Files. You're a fairly big fan, but I think you're watching them just for the second time. Um, and we just thought yes. that the um, the we would, it would take up way too much of the episode of the main episode. Um, talk about X Files to give it this proper juice. So we're thinking, and it won't be. I mean, I say right now, it won't be like heaps long episodes. It probably will. We, we talk a lot, um, <laughs> but like we, we're going to try and like keep you, it, you're almost a super fan, right? So yeah, yeah, and we're going to we're going to try and keep it a bit more condensed. But yeah, so um, uh, it will be launching um, uh, this week, and then you, all all you need to do is just make sure you um, find it wherever you're getting your podcast now. And um, and it was it, as I said, it's called "Do You Think I'm Spooky?" Uh, a living in the past production, <laughs> and uh, that's where you get your X Files. <laughs> that's 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 where you get your, your X Files gossip from now on, and, and our reviews. And we got all sorts of good stuff gonna gonna be in those episodes too. So please look it up. And don't be surprised though if it only goes for one minute, and it's me saying how many times Scully said I'm a medical doctor because. <laughs> There, there's no rules or regulations on what do you think a spooky is going to be. Yeah, yeah. this is uh, this is uh, we're, it's kind of like a Just putting um, that out there. Yeah, we're we're um, we're taking a we're taking a stab, and we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, so do you think I'm spooky? Uh, available um, uh, as of uh, this week. So before we, we, I think we've got two more TV important segments. Okay. Yep. One of which being, I, I just mentioned, and I thought that you were going to mention it properly, but um, you didn't. Conan O'Brien began. It did. Yes. Um, and I so bring it up because his second show, Radiohead, with a guest. I saw that. Yeah. If you looked, if you actually have a have a look through like um, a lot of his, and you can look him up on IMDb and and, and Wikipedia. Like his first series, his first couple of series, like the musical guests and like the the, the different um, other guests he had, some really good stuff there. Like he he he, de- he definitely was not not doing the usual. Like he was getting no. more alternative stuff, and it's it's it was very cool to see. Um, what was his first guest? I was just um, trying to find it. His first show was John Goodman, Drew Barrymore, and Tony Randall. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um. And yeah, so we'll, I think from time to time we'll be checking in to see who, who his guests were. I think that's one, that's safe to say. Yeah, because um, I mean it's hard because it's a nightly thing. So there is a lot. Yeah, um, and it started on the thirteenth of September, so I don't even have a full month. But I mean, Halle Berry, uh, Juliana Hatfield was on. Adam Sandler, Morgan Freeman, uh, Mary Tyler Moore. It's 
it's quite diverse. Like you said, the breeders. Yeah, I thought I mean, that breeders one. That's the one where bare naked about. ladies. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> um, that breeders one is the one where I was talking about where he um he gets a hickey. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway, um, there was some other garbage TV before we move on as well. Saturday Night Live. I will um, point out twenty um, fifth of September. Charles Barkley and Nirvana uh, were on. Classic. That little yeah. cutaway they do with the yeah. I oh, with all three of them like doing that cheesy smile is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'll check it up on the Instagram. Um, yeah, if you look at um, the Saturday Night Live ahead too, it's uh, look. There's some pretty decent guests and musical guests coming up. So. Looking forward to that. But before we get on to music, we've got we're back for season four of Law and Order. I heard before that you got your uh, little. Mm. It's been so long since I heard that. <laughs> Not long um, all right, let's get into this. Are you ready? Go. All right, so season four starts off. We've got two new cast members. We've got Essa Partha Merkison. She plays uh, Lieutenant Anita Van Buren. And we've also got Jill Hennessy coming in as Assistant District Attorney Claire Kincaid. Yeah. Uh, the first episode is all about um, a trashy tabloid reporter um, who brings on a uh, known child molester um, onto his show for a live show. The father of the child that he molested then comes on and shoots him in the head. And we are then into the investigation of whether the uh, tabloid journalist was setting it up to get more ratings for a show. It is pretty gross. Um, the next one is about a drug addict, uh, homeless man who was terrorizing a neighborhood. He gets beaten up and no one's saying anything. Apparently, uh, oh. yeah, um, he's um, been terrorizing them for years and uh, it's actually quite interesting um, to finding out who the killer was and mm. then... Mm. what what mm. <laughs> what are you Keep doing going. oh okay it's actually quite a, a decent end to the to the episode that was Ooh. like a countdown sound of like hurry up you know when like the the timer's almost out and it starts making a little sound and you've got to hurry up but you weren't i thought up. that your your buzzer didn't work again and you were like going oh, oh, oh. <laughs> i was getting excited i'm sorry you know what i'm fine we covered both of them um oh there's only uh, two there's only two this week yeah so yeah um so yeah law and order minutes back um and just uh this this month too we're going to have another segment that we haven't touched on for a while come back uh and that's in our music so let's go into music so before we get to that Billboard uh, charts were in America, Can't Help Falling in Love by UB40 and Dream Lover by Mariah Carey. Um, and then um, <laughs> in the ARIA charts, How Fitting Is This, I'd Do Anything for Love by Meatloaf, who sadly left Aww. us a couple of days ago. Um, yeah. So going through the... Uh, um, releases for the uh for the for the month we got post-historic monsters by carter the unstoppable sex machine i put that in just because i loved <laughs> that 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 artist name is amazing um yeah but he was terrible that's, he was that's all he's got is a name um we had um wildwood by paul weller which i think we touched on last one and must have been a mistake by me <laughs> 
Um, we, we had uh, Iggy Pop, uh, Dead Can Dance, Archers of Loaf, Counting Grows, Morphine, Meatloaf, The Melvins, uh, The Judgment Night soundtrack, um, Bad, Bad Religion, uh, Pet Shop Boys, Duff McKagan, Melissa Etheridge, Powderfinger, uh, Spirits of the West, and Adam Sandler. <laughs> Let's just cover Adam Sandler before we get into any of the good stuff. That was that was hard to listen to. It's possibly the least funniest, worst thing I've ever heard. It's. I was like, I was actually pretty pumped because I, I've I've liked his um I liked his one he did a couple of years ago like the the Netflix special I thought that was pretty good, and it's just this is bad. Like I wonder how his he got... songs are okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I was not a fan of that at all. Um, I don't know how you even managed to pick out anything to put on the playlist. I think I was just blindly just pushing. I was like, oh, that might be funny, or that might be funny. And then, like, yeah, it was it was not. <laughs> I almost listened to the entire album because I, I listened to the two you've put on there, which was The Buffoon and The Dean of Admissions, which yep. I don't know if that's weirdly edited or if there's supposed to be pauses in between them both speaking. <sighs> I don't know. Really frustrating. Yep. But I'm pretty sure that's Conan O'Brien is The Dean of Admissions. Is it? Is sad. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then The Longest P which is just someone pouring water into a jug and him going, oh, man. Yeah. Not it's funny. But bad. I listened to quite a few more, and it's, it's did I, horrible. Did I just pick the worst ones, or is, is, there, is there better ones? or? Um, so there's the Lunch Lady song which from SNL, which is good. The rest of the comedy stuff is atrocious. Right. It's just... It's something that, like... A fifteen-year-old and his buddies do when they find out that their laptop has a recording device on it, <laughs> like us. It doesn't even sound like anyone wrote a little bit. It just none of it sounds pl- planned out. It sounds like they've just—it's all ad-libbed and just not funny. Um, let's go into Terrible. the ones that you've um that you've that, that you've been that you're listening to. What is, is any standouts for you? I kind of liked morphine cure for pain. I didn't like his voice. His it reminded voice, me of someone. His voice sounded like morphine. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought I was, I, I thought I was in hospital. <laughs> I was like, this oh. is, I was like, oh yeah, everything's just going numb. <laughs> yeah, I no, just, that was, it was nice. It was mm, all right. Okay. Um, but the judgment night, judgment night soundtrack was yeah. Let's great. talk about that. Um. I have to say that my favorite track is is Fallen by Teenage Fan Club and Dealers. How good is that? That's that's, that's uh that is going to be up there for for top 5s later in the um later in the year. Did you pick the Tom Petty sample early on or did you go and find out about it? No, I found out about it after I, after I did some did some digging. Yeah. Cuz it sounds really really familiar. It's like, oh, maybe this is a cover. I've heard something of this like it just sounded familiar. And yeah. then I just stumbled across it being a sound. I was like, oh, okay, that's why it, it yeah. sits so nicely. Which makes sense, yeah. Like it's, um, I've actually listened to a bit more Tom Putty in the last few months. Like it's someone who I like always I've ever known is um his singles, but man, he he can write some albums. It's good good stuff. Yeah. Um, another one where I was like, man, I should have been into that way earlier. <laughs> I'm just like, now he's dead. Um, uh. 
so Battle of Hell Two. Oh, sorry, we'll talk about mm-hmm. more about the um the uh the Judgment Night soundtrack because the Pearl Jam on there. Probably not one of the best tracks, I have to be honest. Um, it's, it's. I feel like great. I only really like it because I know they're on it. Because I, I used to hate Cypress Hill. Is is it? I can't really pick much. I, uh, if you just gave me the music of that song, I wouldn't think that it's a Pearl Jam song, though. Like, it's not really their, um, their style. No, um, it's definitely like a B-side. Yeah. But if I'll, I'll just go through a few of the um, the team. So basically, if you know about the Judgment Night soundtrack um, for the um, questionable movie that we're going to talk about next month, um, oh, <laughs> uh, what they what they and this is like um, I, actually there's a really good um, article on the Ringer um, by Rob Harvilla who hosts that um, sixty songs that define the nineties. Um, it's all about these tie-in soundtracks that started in the nineties and like so like as a concept because. Before then, it was like if you just happen to have popular songs on a soundtrack, um, then you release it and you know whatever. But like this is this is a time where specifically for this soundtrack, they did like a matchup of like alternative and hard rock um, bands and hip hop, and then got them to sort of do like a um, do a song together. So for this one, you got Helmet and House of Pain, Teenage Fan Club, Dealer Soul. Um, you've got uh, Pearl Jam and Cypress Hill, Faith No More and the Booyah Tribe, Mud Honey and Sir Mix-a-Lot. Um, and we also had um, Doctor uh, Dinosaur Junior and Del the Funky Homo Sapiens. So like it was actually quite um, a lot of really sort of um, established bands in both genres doing these songs together, and it was, it was it was quite a thing back in the day. I feel like it didn't really live on after this, so there wasn't that common i thought this would have started a huge new trend but it well i think I also think like i mean when you think about stuff like the crow in 94 where the soundtrack sort of featured so heavily into the movie itself and even singles to a point like you know singles was like that movie wouldn't have been what it was if it didn't have that soundtrack and the artist to go along with it like it's like it's kind of that sort of whole sort of concept of uh, the soundtrack is 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 part of the movie. It's part of the selling point. It's part of the um, of the production of it, sort of thing. So, and you know what else? There was two kids or bands sitting at home in 1983 watching Judgment Night, called Lincoln Park and Limp Biscuit, that just found their <laughs> fucking sound. <laughs> oh my. Hey, I'm sure there's others, but you know, it's those two. Hey, Fred, it's your brother Henry Durst. This is that new <laughs> sound you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've also got so. Um, let's look. I gotta, I gotta do this. Go on. Where's my little air horn gone? banger um it is i had this playlist on at work a couple times and everyone either ignored it or was like what is this what do you listen to until mrs jones came on and people knew the words mr jones not mrs people knew the song (laughs) until jonesy came on (laughs) the cat from aliens um yes you wouldn't know that reference because you're not an aliens fan um oh is that also the Dreamcatcher reference yeah I think so. You're not Jonesy. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about August and everything after, because 
And let's talk about my relationship with Counting Crows because I used to not like Counting Crows quite a lot. And I think it was more because a lot of other people didn't like Counting Crows um, being in like heavier bands, lots of stuff. They were sort of um, uh, regarded as, uh, what was it? Crap. Um, And I got into them only very recently. I'm talking about in the last six or seven years. Um, I just, it was one of those ones where I just like, I, I listened to a couple of times when I was, um, at home, uh, being the stay at home sort of parent. And I, I just tucked on one of their albums that I had and I was like, this is really good. Um, and I just sort of got more and more into them. And then I bought their new album that came out within that time. And I'm like, you know what? And then I went and saw them with a bunch of other very white people. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, it was one of the better shows I've, I've ever seen, even though I had to sit down for it. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know, like, I, I like their musicianship. I like his lyrics. Um, a lot of people don't like him, and I can understand that he can be very polarizing. Um, if you've never seen him live, he very rarely sings the same way he sings in the album, and people find that very infuriating. So, like, when you try to sing along with him at a show, it he, yeah. he basically goes... It's it's like he's doing it on purpose to like uh, to, to to mess with people. But yeah, um, what did you think? Did you listen to the entire album? Not the entire album. I apologize. I listened okay. to a little bit, and it was okay. But when you've got a song like Jonesy that's <laughs> so good and so iconic, um, Omaha's alright, but Omaha's great. When you know that one song so well, everything else is overshadowed. Like you're not getting close to that now. I'm sorry. Um, Round here is awesome. Um, it starts off the album. Rankings, one of my favorite. Uh, it's just like it's. I think. Um, and then the next album is is. Um, oh, sorry, not the next album. The album after that is my favorite one. But it's. I think they evolve. I think they're they're just. I don't know. There's enough in every song for me to 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 to, to like most of them. Um, Do they remind you a little bit of the tragically hip? Oh, definitely. I think I even said okay when tragically hip was around, like when we were talking about them a couple of years ago, a couple of seasons ago, that this reminds me of Crowning Crows. Like it's got that, um, and it's like it's kind of hard to peg. It's not country and it's not alternative and it's not folk. They blend a lot of styles together. Like they're very much their own, um, their own genre. Like I don't think. And they, but they've blended all this stuff together, and it's still jangly, sort of. Uh, yeah. Kind of, it's not pub rock, but it's kind of the middle of the road. You're not getting any niche fans anywhere. You're just yeah, and radio I think, music. I think I can, I can, I can kind of compare them to Pearl Jam in, in that way of like, Pearl Jam have a genre, but like they put a lot of different styles into that genre, and they still make it their own, which is what Canning Crows do. Like I think they've got. A lot of different sort of styles going on, but it's a Counting Crow song once you sort of like get into it and hear um, Adam Juritz's voice and stuff. So it's like I kind of respect him for that, and um, they they also always endeavoured to um, bring a lot of new and upcoming acts with them um, up on um, like on tours and stuff like that. So I respect him for that. So yeah, I'm glad that I sort of got over my. Um, and a lot of people just will disregard them just because of like because they don't like Mr. Jones or I didn't like like they've got a couple of um, high charting songs like "Accidentally in Love" and their um, cover of that Joni Mitchell song that people just don't like and I understand that but like 
if you dig a bit deeper, they, they're a decent band. So, um, but getting also, um, did you try I, anything else out? I really liked Archers of Loaf. Archers of Loaf are definitely a pool band. Um, Web and Front. Yeah, I didn't mind. There was some of it kind of reminded me of Frank Black or Pixies ish. Yeah. In there. Um, Web and right. Front. Web and Front's like the the main song, like the main single from the album that a lot of people know. And I will say that very similar to like a lot of other albums we talked about, it does not fit in with a lot of the rest of the album. Like the other rest of the album's like pretty noisy and um and grungy, whereas that one's a bit more um like poppy. Um but yeah, really love that one. And apart from that, I don't like the Melbournes, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> uh I was I mean, gonna say the exact same thing, except for going blind is alright, but it doesn't sound like a Melbourne song. Um, and obviously we're not, I mean, we should, you're probably thinking, why aren't we giving more um, love to Inudori, but we've done an entire episode on that. So um, obviously listen to that, the track by track that we're doing that. But obviously that was a huge uh, release of, um, of of this month. Uh, you also had um, uh, the, the Pet Shop Boys, <laughs> who, I don't know. No, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I, I kind of like Spirit of the West. Um, they were like, nice and um folky and jangly for me like it was it was quite good but i think for me um canning crows is probably the one that i um that I was there's one to. i want to mention because i have never really been a fan and i know as a david bowie fan it probably doesn't fit but i don't like iggy pop oh yeah although every now and then he has a bit of a banger and i had no idea that he did the song hate i didn't even know it was called hate Oh, yeah, yeah. As soon as I heard that intro, I was like, shit, this is Iggy Pop. This is a really good song. I didn't know this was him. I think he did that with another one, too. And I was just like, oh, like, every so often he's just like, he just breaks through with these songs. Um, Yeah. It sounds like a Nirvana cover or something. It's. Yeah. Yeah, I was a big fan of that one, but not much else that he did. We have to uh, address the um, the finger in the room, though. <laughs> and this is uh, this is a powder finger. Powder finger news. All right. So thanks, Bob. Um, I want to I want to go through the news. Is they released an album? So that's September. Is it an album? Let's let's wrap it up. I think I it's don't a, know. I didn't listen to it. It's did an you? EP. <laughs> I did because I want to just go through like one song. Um, is it... Okay, so this is Report You So by Powderfinger. Um, the music's quite I'm good. Sure it's not Led Zeppelin. Well, yeah, that's, I think that's what they were going for. Um, I'm going to go ahead into the chorus because that's where you can see the true Powderfinger come in. This is pub rock. This is exactly what yeah. pub rock is. This bit. Oh. That's... Oh. That fanning... Oh, like, that comes through... All their like when when we get to like their their bigger hits and stuff like that. like that's when I was listening to this song I was like <laughs> that's not Powderfinger 
That's not. Oh, that's Powderfinger. Um, <laughs> I, I think they they definitely struggled to sort of find what they were looking for in in, in terms of their like um, their niche because like it's not. They were like I think maybe a couple of the members were into yeah, obviously Zeppelin and hard rock, and then at some point yeah. they're like maybe we don't do that. Maybe we go for something a bit more um, palatable. So, um, but uh, you know, it, it's it's not changing my. Um, my my view of Powderfinger just yet, but we'll we'll see how it goes. So um, there we go, Powderfinger, Penguin News. Powderfinger News. Um, so let's go on to our favorites of the of uh, favorite movie and favorite release, uh, favorite album. Uh, what what have you got? This is this is quite difficult. I think this is maybe one of the hardest ones. Um, because yeah, I, I don't hate all of them this time. <laughs> uh but at the same time everything is just kind of average it's a very middle of the road month but i, I think i gotta stick with hercules returns for my film okay i'm gonna go with striking distance <laughs> i was almost gonna go there because yeah. it is pretty decent for for what it is but i think just hercules returns and my childhood and the quotable lines and there is a donkey in it so yeah i think um John John Mahoney pushed it over the line for me, so he <laughs> always does. Um, and then for album, I mean, I'm assuming we're not going to go Nirvana because, but you know, that's yeah, obviously I mean, that would be the choice. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go Counting Crows. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but you wouldn't go that over Nirvana, would you? No, no. Okay, um, it would be a toss up between Judgment Night and Morphine. But I'll probably go with morphine. I'm sad to say. Oh, look at you! Yeah, I, um, just, I actually kind of like probably. I might keep that in my in my uh, library. Nice. Um, Icky yeah. metal by yeah. Archers of Life would be a, a a close second for me. Um, I like that. It's just that didn't. It wasn't as consistent as like the the lead single sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, there we have it. September '93 is done. Um, I know it's been a bit of a. <laughs> it's been a long one. So, um, yeah, definitely um, look up uh, Do You Think I'm Spooky, um, our X-Files spin-off podcast, because that will be coming up very soon. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, livingthepastpod at gmail.com. Uh, check us out on Instagram and on Twitter now. We now come in Twitter. Um, do we? We do. I just set it up this week. <laughs> um, and uh bored, huh? uh then we've also uh check us out in the show notes we've got uh our spotify we've got our um, letterboxed um uh, lists from the movies we watched this season and if you want to give us a five-star review um get on to wherever you can do that i think it's usually apple podcasts um and uh let us know what you what you think it's been it's been uh, i'm I'm looking forward because i i know having done the research october november december um we still got like a lot of 93 left to go through and there's, there's some there's some big stuff coming up um and i've also started um stepping into uh 94 too um and that's just gonna be that's gonna be huge so uh stick with us um thank you so much for uh i mean we um we're not doing it for the numbers but like our numbers Welcome. have been steadily growing up uh, going up and we oh. appreciate listeners i thank you to us i thank you as well <laughs> thank you um and until uh next time we will see you later bye everybody
Thank you once again for listening to Living in the Past. Got some awesome people to thank at the end of the show here. Andrew Golding does our music for us. You can check out his stuff at www.antigold.bandcamp.com. Rebecca Sheedy, she does our artwork. You can check out her stuff on Instagram at Mild Scribbling. Send us an email at livingthepastpod at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram. You can check out letterbox.com following PD Lumsden and check out the movies that we've been talking about this season. You can check out the music we've been talking about on the podcast by going to Spotify and searching Living in the Past podcast and then the month that you want to check out. Want to help us grow the show? Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or tell your neighbor, tell your friend, tell your mother. It all helps. And until next time, as we always say, sit back, look back and relax. Thanks.